Hello, and welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg. My guest today is Ryan Pope. Ryan is a pal, he's a friend, and he is a companion who will be joining me on this year's Camino walking retreat in Spain. If you don't know, this is a 10-day event that I lead each summer, and I take a group of people along the Camino de Santiago. So Ryan is joining me, and I thought it would be fun to have him on the podcast because he is so much more than a guy that can walk in Spain. He's a chiropractor, he is a breathwork instructor, he's a holistic health and lifestyle coach, as well as the CEO of Powerhouse Mind Body Cairo, which is a multidisciplinary wellness center based on the Gold Coast of Australia. He also founded Becoming the Mountain, which is a mentoring and events-based business focused on preparing men physically, mentally, and emotionally for the rite of passage into fatherhood. And that topic forms the crux of much of our conversation. Ryan is a new dad. He and his partner, Amber Hawken, who is one of my dear friends, former roommate of mine. She's been on the podcast too a couple of times. But he and Amber had a baby, and they did it in their own way at home. And Ryan talks all about that birthing process, the grieving process required to become a parent, the transition, the letting go. And Ryan is helping men in that space. So we dive deep in this one. Ryan opens up, shares all about the challenges, the opportunities, how he has navigated being a dad for the first time, and how he helps others to do the same. So enjoy this conversation with Ryan, and without further ado, here he is. Ryan Pope, we've done it, you've made it, you have a voice, you have ears. Welcome to the podcast. How's Thanks for having me, Joe. Good, How's it going? man. You were just yeah, talking really about, good. You've been talking about, um, before we started recording, the uh discomfort of surrendering without a script in terms of uh how this will flow and there was a little bit of startled hesitation in your eyes when i held up my notes my post-it note singular that has six words written on it <laughs> and i said just trust me man it'll be fun so it's where are you at go, hey? are you feeling <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm like super activated. Probably shouldn't have had a coffee after my breath work and workout this morning. So I'm just going to breathe through that and ground back in. <laughs> Other than that, man, I'm I'm really good. Pumped. Sweet. And for those listening that have no idea who Ryan Pope is, uh, like, who are you? How do you describe yourself? What's your What's your deal, man? Man, it's. <clears throat> It's a hard question to answer at the moment. I'm heavily transitioning and exploring. And for such a long time, I feel like all I would consider myself to be would be like a chiropractor. Um, but, you know, in the last couple of years, <clears throat> um, just doing my own journey and self-discovery, it's really opened my eyes to how much, you know, with the principles that, sort of I want to teach my patients, which is to move well, eat well, think well, and just have a holistic perspective on their healing. I realized that my own emotional well-being and nervous system regulation wasn't as good as it could be. Um, and that journey for me really opened my eyes to how much people's emotional bodies and relationship with themselves interfere with 
their ability to heal their physical body or just live a really happy, vital life. And so the last couple of years, I've been getting more into breathwork and nervous system regulation and emotional regulation and really coming full circle back to the idea that, you know, I didn't want to just be a chiropractor where people have, you know, straighter spines and still an unhappy relationship with themselves or with their life. It just didn't really make sense to me anymore. And so I don't really know what I'd call myself. I am a firm advocate of vitalism, which is the philosophy that the body is a self-healing, self-organizing, self-regulating intelligent system, and that we just need to align to working with that and everything that entails, which is, look, feels like a lot, but it's also principally very simple in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Where does vitalism come from? I don't think I've ever heard that topic mentioned in my whole life. Yeah, wow. Um, a vitalistic philosophy is something that I learned when I was learning chiropractic philosophy. And it's the core root belief that the body is smart and is organized and can heal itself. And, you know, that the job of the healer who believes that is more about helping the body just do what it is capable of doing rather than trying to interfere with it. For example, I like a really simple explanation would be a lot of people come into the clinic thinking they have <clears throat> muscle problems or pain in that regard. And the truth is, is if you really look at it, that the problem's not the tight muscle, that's a symptom of a problem. That if you've got instability underneath, instability of a joint, that muscle will be tight for an intelligent reason. It's actually the body being intelligent and supporting itself because there's an instability underneath. And so rather than considering the tight muscle to be wrong or dysfunctional or bad, because that's not working with this vitalistic understanding that the body's intelligent, you would want to stretch that muscle or massage that muscle or trigger point that muscle to get it to relax. But the truth is a lot of people find that that muscle just tightens up again. And so they go into this cycle of treating and it going back because there's not this core root belief that the body is smart and is going to be making decisions for itself for a good reason. And so it's about letting go and exploring what else you could do to help the body help itself, which would be working on that joint stability. Just one example. Yeah. Yeah. So there's what I'm hearing, I think is, is there's this like innate, 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 what, what is that? Innate, innate. body wisdom that has been evolved over billions of years of evolution and you as the healer are attempting to utilize that rather than work against it is that totally 100 okay it's falling back to the understanding that the body's not stupid that it's incredibly intelligent we just don't understand it all the time i'm curious in your experience as a chiropractor well maybe we should first describe what that is, what that practice is, et cetera, for those that are, maybe have heard the word but have never seen a chiropractor, like what is it? How do you define it? Defining chiropractic, even within chiropractic, there's a few schools uh -oh. of thought. <laughs> okay, go, go on. 
there are <clears throat> chiropractic is firstly runs off the basis that your nervous system is how your body's innate intelligence communicates and works that intelligence comes from that intelligence comes from the brain and essentially is hardwired into all areas of the body through the central nervous system so the spinal cord and the peripheral nerves and the innate intelligence essentially uses this system to communicate and have biofeedback between the brain and the body so that it can make decisions, receive information back about those decisions. And this is how homeostasis works because it's keeping the body within a healthy range, whether that be blood pressure or nutrient levels or heart rate. Essentially, too high is generally a problem and too low is generally a problem. And so how these things get manipulated is through the nervous system. So our innate is able to keep our, that innate intelligence uses the central nervous system to be able to keep our body healthy through those lines of communication. And so our spinal column protects our spinal cord, which is that information superhighway up and down through the spine. So distortions in the spine or misalignments in the spine <clears throat> of which its job is to protect that spinal cord. When it becomes distorted or unhealthy in any way, it actually affects that communication system, causing a disconnection and a breakdown in how innate can organize and heal the body. And so it's really just about finding those misalignments causing neurological blockages and helping people understand why they're there and how to help fix that. And so that's a very physical perspective on keeping the nervous system healthy. But in the last couple of years, there are neurotoxins and thoughts and beliefs. So biochemically, we also affect our central nervous system and affect how that innate intelligence works. And emotionally, we can affect our nervous system and affect how that innate intelligence works. So while a few years ago, I was mainly just concerned with physically keeping the body healthy by keeping the spine open and the nervous system working well. Now I think biochemically and emotionally, it's got to be a part of the same conversation because if you're only addressing one of those three parts, again, if you've got a slightly straighter spine and you still speak to yourself like crap and don't sleep, you're still going to be pretty unhealthy and pretty unhappy. Have you seen examples in your practice or in your clinic where clients have had emotional traumatic experiences that have led to physical ailments, et cetera? Because that absolutely common? to be honest, the more the more I've become aware of it, the more I see it all the time. And the one that's really showing up a lot in practice at the moment is like even when I put my hands on someone's body, like you can literally feel the fear around relaxing or trusting that area of the body to work for them or support them properly and so they're in this fear pattern of contraction where they don't trust their own body or their hip to work properly so they don't even put weight on it anymore uh, which causes them to cause a center of gravity shift and create more problems and a lot of the time you know the body's not going to heal in that contracted state anyway so simply going through a process of helping them trust their body, helping them relax their body and use their body incrementally more, you see it change way faster than soft tissues would be able to heal, way faster than you're talking about normal 
musculoskeletal or tenderness healing patterns. Um, they'll be able to wait there and walk and change more. And it's more to do with their mind and their belief about their condition rather than their condition, which has been incredibly powerful to see lately. And as a chiropractor, how do you decipher that process and then decide how much attention or energy to give to that psychological emotional space versus the physical <clears throat> symptomatic reason that they're there the truth is is you can only like how you identify is pretty intuitive a lot of the time especially if you adjust an area physically and it just keeps coming back keeps coming back if that pattern isn't being disrupted by a physical intervention i would look at what emotions could be playing out uh, really basically I, i'm really noticing it's just a lot of fear or not trusting that their body can do what they're supposed to do so they don't use it so it doesn't it doesn't get better but even when you um put your hands on someone you can feel like dis-ease in that area you can feel heat you can feel hardness you go to touch it and their body will move or jump like it's there wouldn't be like one key indicator that you could say where this is actually in play but you can also hear some someone have that doubt in their voice they're just constantly coming back to their language makes it really clear that they don't trust themselves that they can't do it a lot of like limiting belief language around what's going on would be also like a key thing and you can't <clears throat> these things are typically not fixed in the logical mind so just explaining to someone that it's okay is typically not necessarily the way but i find guided somatic practices of breathing and relaxing and doing a body scan more just getting them to have a bit more of an awareness or even just exploring movements with curiosity rather than having it stuck in their head that this doesn't work getting them in a supported way on the floor to not potentially not overdo anything and help them explore what their body's capable of can open up those doors i've found a lot of it will come with relationship with self so most of the time helping people encourage them to have a routine of connecting with their body in their own time in their own space in a comfortable way opens those doors pretty well yeah i imagine if there's a client that comes in and they're in a lot of pain and they hate their body and they also don't believe that it'll ever be any different then it's going to be very challenging for that person to influence change and heal I would argue impossible if, if, if they don't like whether you believe it's possible or not, you're, you're right. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. This might be just a radical subject change, but, uh, you were talking about body wisdom, trusting the body, the inherent vitality within. And I know recently, well, somewhat recently you became a dad. Yeah. And you had a home birth. And I imagine your life has radically transformed as a consequence <laughs> of that series of events. So radically <laughs> understatement, uh, underlined and in bold, uh, your life is different now. 
So I want to, I think I originally reached out to you to talk about um, being a dad. Uh, Mom, if you're listening, I'm not a dad. I'm not trying to be a dad at this moment, but uh, reached out to you (laughs) because I get a lot of questions from from women and from men of like, how can I help hold space? How can I be more present? How can my partner trust me, et cetera? And it seems like that home birth experience is kind of a radical initiation in all of those things. And I know that you've been working with men since then to develop that skill set, to share your knowledge, et cetera. So how do you feel about diving into all of that? Yeah, sounds great. And is there anything that we were just touching upon in terms of chiropractic healing, et cetera, that, that you're like, bro, I wasn't done talking. Uh, or why didn't you ask me that? That was a really cool thing I could have shared. Is that no, no, it feels good. And you know, the segue, I think, I think they're connected for me. I think why we chose a wild birth, which is where you essentially don't have a midwife, a gynecologist, an obstetrician, and you don't do scans and you don't do tests. Um, I guess that still comes from the belief that the body has an intelligence. Birth is a normal process. And this is why we wanted to have a birth with as many, as, as few interventions as possible, just to allow that process to unfold the way it's naturally supposed to unfold. Um, and so you know, and ambushes this belief and understanding. And that's why she was so interested in wanting to do just a birth at home, the two of us and a doula. And it was incredible. Like so much stuff came up along the way, you know, even, man, the journey from finding out Amber was pregnant to giving birth was an absolute roller coaster. Um yeah, like she dropped a positive pregnancy test on a pizza box, like a mic drop. Um, and then I know you know Amber well. She did. Yeah, she so is. maybe just for those listening, I used to live with Amber <clears throat> in Australia years ago. She's one of my closest friends. Um, Brian and I actually met very, uh, very randomly. What was that like 2017, 2018? Yeah where I went with Amber to your chiropractic clinic, got adjusted. And then years later, she's like, oh, I'm actually dating Ryan. Remember the chiropractor? (laughs) Oh, oh, and now I'm pregnant with Ryan. I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) I know that guy. He touched my back. Um, (laughs) So yeah, her name, your partner's name is Amber Hawkins. She's a good, a good pal. She's been on the podcast too. She's a powerful healer coach in her own right. Absolutely. A very strong willed, uh sharp funny human incredibly Um, okay so she walks in and i can completely picture this drops a positive pregnancy test on a pizza box yeah mike dropped it boom and it's like we're having a kid yeah uh it was it was super overwhelming at first like i didn't even really know what to make of it within you know I, i don't know if you can tell but i don't mind having a yarn and i think i went pretty much mute for a few days just sheer overwhelm um you know part part of becoming the mountain which is this container where we do invite 
guys that are going to be supporting their partners through a home birth into this container was literally born, no pun intended, out of essentially the journey I went on to prepare myself for our home birth. Um, everything from essentially opening up a dialogue around codependencies I've had with my mom and my dad and parts of that relationship that I had avoided healing because I felt like it was not needed or it was easier this way. And then recognizing that, you know, what we didn't know Annie was a boy until he was born. So, you know, understanding that my son was going to want and need his grandma and grandpa. And, you know, I didn't want to just you know, sweep under the rug the things that weren't being spoken about because I knew that that would still be under there. I knew it would still energetically affect our openness and our relationship and therefore my son's relationship. And so starting those conversations was <clears throat> probably the first part. And that was a lot of my freeze response. It was, holy crap, like, I don't know what to do. You know, my relationship with my own parents, if you kind of extrapolate that down I didn't want that to happen to us and you know all the cyclical thoughts around fuck like am I ready to be a dad like you know you almost immediately and this was this was another lesson you know I jumped into provide and create security mode almost immediately um, as Amber was going through morning sickness I was just quite subconsciously pulled out the door into work to, I don't know, put a million dollars in the bank account. I didn't even have a number in my head. I just knew we needed more, more security, needed to provide more. And, you know, it's not an uncommon feeling for blokes to get is my understanding. And learning to work with those emotions, which a lot of them are trauma responses, but a lot of them are very primal feelings and learning how to relate with your partner while navigating these new things for the first time where no one really gives you their heads up about what to expect um, was the start of that journey. Yeah, it was, it was big. <laughs> yeah. And tremendously healing, like, you know, my, my relationship with my mom and my dad, while it still has ups and downs, is a lot more open, a lot more is said in a loving, open, caring way than it was in the past, where the truth was things just weren't being said. Yeah, good for you, man. It's mm. brave work. And um, imagine very confronting to realize all of that at once. And so when you began to go out into the world and look for support or resources around all of this stuff, what was that process like? Um, <clears throat> a little, a little difficult at first knowing where to go. Um, because at the same time, you know, you, you want deciding to do like a, a home birth or a wild birth at home is a pretty triggering thing for a lot of people that don't understand why we would want to do something like that. So it immediately limits you in ways to where you think you can go and be acknowledged, supported, and accepted in your decision. 
as well as getting that support that you need. Maybe um, you can dive into both sides of that. So for those listening that might not know, like what's the pros and cons of a wild birth? Is it like, oh, you're irresponsible, you're risking the health of your partner and baby, that's, you're a bad parent already, you're an idiot. Yeah. Versus uh, that's hippie woo-woo magic, that's, uh, that won't work or What's well, the, the... the the two sides of the coin is you know it always comes down to most people just want their baby born safely and healthy and so both sides of the fence feel it is safest and feel it is healthiest to either be inside the hospital or outside the hospital and there it's fierce man it's fierce as i'm sure you can imagine um there's some pretty strong opinions and beliefs on both sides of the fence and everyone thinks their decision is right. And it's really, you know, the truth is, is there is no right or wrong. It's, it's a choice that you make for yourself based on the life that you want to live and the family that you want to have. And really being, having this conversation both ways and having this conversation with patients that have different beliefs that still want to ask me from my perspective it's really important to know that the safest and healthiest thing for a baby is a stress-free mother <laughs> that feels supported in her decisions um, and a father as well at the end of the day because that's the unit that the baby is going to be loved by and grow up with and but yeah it very strong opinions on both sides of the fence like um you know, there's, there's, there's so much to this, Jay. Like at the end of the day, it's what you understand to be true and what you believe. But I feel like a, there's a lot of conditioning around birth is more normal in a hospital. And I would challenge that all day, every day. I would say 99.999% of births in the animal kingdom dating back to the beginning of birth has happened outside of a hospital. Mm. And perfectly safely as well and that's what we chose to do and we weren't anti going to the hospital if that was what was required but that decision was going to come down to amber and how amber felt she was going and how amber felt the baby was going we were we were trusting her intuition first rather than timing contractions or measuring dilations um, because that can be like anything in the human body, there's always a range of normal. And if you assume that the body is intelligent, it can be making those decisions for a very good reason and for the safety of the baby and the mother as well. And we can't always understand what that's going to be. So trust is where you've got to fall back to in that realm. Mm. And you had a trained professional with you throughout. We had a, well. Yeah, we had a, we had a doula. So... She's essentially non non medical birth support. Mm. Yeah, and then whether or not you go the hospital route or the kitty swimming pool in the living room route, uh, the idea of being the mountain, being the supportive partner, I think applies to both. Yeah, when you talk about the length of the pregnancy, the birthing itself, the weeks and months that follow. Yeah. What does that mean to you to be the mountain and, and like, what do you teach other men in that container? So 
first and foremost, it's it's for those wanting to support their partner for a transformational experience because, you know, she's becoming a mother. You're becoming a father. It is, it's a huge rite of passage to birth. There's so many correlations to parts of her dying and being reborn as our baby is being born. And it is uncomfortable. It is for some, yeah, actually, I can't say it's uncomfortable for everyone. People have orgasmic births um, where they just have this tremendous, overwhelming, euphoric, orgasmic birth the whole time. That is something that happens. So you can't just assume it's always going to be painful or uncomfortable. Um, but it's supporting her in that. And because there's a lot of discomfort involved and pain involved and potentially blood involved, there can be like a lot of guys can struggle to not try to fix that, not try to help their partner avoid any of the discomforts that are a normal, natural process of birth. And part of why it's such a transformative thing for mother and baby to go through. Um, there's a lot of people in the home birth world that say that when you're taking away people's pain and you're using epidurals and you're intervening in a lot of ways that it's disempowering for the mother and part of that transformative experience is her trusting herself to go through that process and so it's becoming the mountain is helping your partner feel supported that she can do this um and that she's powerful and strong and has the capability and the biology that is able to do this without fear or without intervention or the need for other people's judgments or eyes or hands to be involved. Mm. And so sure. it's, Go ahead. So it's learning how to process your own fears so you're not literally coming into the birthing space as a man, worried, scared, fearful, contracted, controlling um, is a big part because when you bring that kind of energy into the birthing space, it creates more fear and contraction and can interfere with that birthing process as opposed to having love, trust, openness, ease, relaxation, which is a big part of when you look at birthing techniques, it's a lot of breathing. It's a lot of toning. It's a lot of positions that open the body up and open the pelvis up in different ways. And it's more of a letting go and allowing rather than a doing. So it's way more feminine than masculine at its core. And so it's supporting your partner through that, not an understanding she doesn't need help in a way besides love, support. Do you know what I mean? It's that process of non-interference but also being there for her subtly, if that makes sense, because she can't always ask for what she needs, especially when she's like going through contractions and things like that. So it's cultivating a presence that can help cultivate the awareness to understand what she might need at any point in time. And so there's a lot of sitting with discomfort there's a lot of sitting in silence and becoming more aware of the emotions in your body um, was a, a lot of the journey we took these men through, which is gaining a lot of presence and awareness of themselves, their own fears and their own emotions, 
so that that can once there's a level of self-mastery there to a degree, then you've got a much better chance at understanding what your partner might be going through pre-labor, during labor, post-labor. Like these aren't really just labor skill sets. These are universal relational skill sets so that you can feel into the needs of your partner without her even having to say anything. It's almost like a Trojan horse of sorts where you're saying to these people hey i'll help you with this skill set to to help your partner during birth but actually this is the core life stuff that you're going to need forever and likely would have been taught historically in different cultures way back when by elders and mentors and and stories and lineage but we've lost all that unfortunately yes yeah so you so you're teaching men to be the masculine, to better understand themselves, their emotions, their sensations, so that when those things come up in their partner, they're able to handle it more gracefully, be present, allow it, not shirk or shy away, etc. That sounds yeah. very fundamental to a lot of the things I've heard from other guests about relationship dynamics as a whole in terms of masculine feminine effective communication managing your emotions presence trust all of it this just seems like a very heightened version of it yeah yeah it is literally it's it's all the same when i talk with other men's coaches and people deep in men's work it mirrors one another incredibly well um you know in the birthing space just like you know, men will typically hold the masculine pillar in a traditional kind of relationship like that. And so in terms of what your partner's going through in the birthing space, she's going to be more, more feminine in that way, in that birthing space than probably ever before. Like it is wild and chaotic and open and surrendered and that's really where you want it to be. If you think about the feminine as like the creation of life, literally, literally doing that in that moment. Um, yeah, it's it's literally, it's still hands down that the craziest feat I've seen a human do <laughs> is, is a 40-something hour home birth. Our son was 10 pounds. Like it's, he was posterior, like, oh, all the things everyone says you can't do at home and you shouldn't do at home, Amber did at home. Yeah. You're just like super proud and, and brag about it now. Unbelievable. Like, yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Literally unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Still can't really fathom it fully. Yeah. 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 That's cool, man. Um, that's just, that's just crazy. Um, where do we go from here? Like in terms of topics or ideas that are related that we haven't touched on just yet, are there things that you want to share? One thing for me that comes to mind, and I'll just kind of drop this like a pregnancy test on a pizza box <laughs> is uh, I, <laughs> I interviewed Steven Jenkinson on the podcast and he talked about how the way that you die is your last act of parenting for your child. 
and that you're being an example for them for their death and that when they die um they'll think of you and so it is the last act of parenting and it strikes me as everything that you're describing here months or even years pre-birth of the child perhaps might be considered as the first act of parenting right and so for someone listening it might be having that conversation with your own parents is actually you being a parent it's your first act of parenting you're starting to heal the dynamics you're laying the foundation you're building relationships and trust in yourself etc does that idea resonate or make sense or have i gone off the rails a little bit no, I think um, I've not heard of this guy, but that is quite. You don't know Stephen Jenkinson? Bro. No. All right, I'm going to send you some stuff. Please do, because I love that. That's incredible. And I think <clears throat> the first the first environment your baby is born into creates an imprint of what they, how they, the lens that they're going to see the world through. Like our perception of reality is always filled in to some degree based on the memory bank of how we think the world is. And so the first seven years is the most imprintable part of your child's life. And if you think about the first emotions that your son or daughter are born into, are they born into love? Are they born into calm or are they born into fear? And this is part of why we wanted a home birth. We didn't want fluoro lights buzzing machines, doctors on a timeline. Like this wasn't the birth that we wanted. This wasn't the first experience of the world that we wanted our baby to have. Um, and so I think I think 100% considering what, sorry, what was his name again? Michael Jenkins? Steve, Stephen Jenkinson. Steve Jenkins. Yeah. Sorry, Steve. Um, that that last moment would also imprint the memory from that point on. So I think both are incredibly significant. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of, I've been interviewed by a lot of birth support workers. And the truth is, is they say birth work is death work, which is a crazy thing to say the first time you hear it. It's pretty, it's a pretty confronting thing, but so much of you dies um, when you step into parenthood, like, you know, it's really the last podcast I was on was, is literally called The Birth of a Mother. And so the maiden dies so that the mother's born. And essentially so many parts of who you think you are and who you thought you wanted to be um, change when your baby arrives. And there's a lot of the death of the old and death of parts of yourself as you're being born into a new stage of your life born into leadership in a way um you know you got to lead your family yeah it's that classic initiation experience right where there was a before there's an after and there's a never to return there's a no going back yeah. right and how much how do you view that process of resisting that initiation or clinging to the past or who you were or your free time and your big dreams back then versus the the stark reality of of parenthood you know i all of this seems so intertwined but when you talk about 
<clears throat> not being able to heal from physical and emotional contraction, like I was talking about my patients, um, you're essentially putting yourself in the same tone. So if you're clamping on to how things were and can't accept the reality that's being birthed in front of you, that contraction creates disease in the body and it'll stop you going through that healing journey, that transformative journey, and you essentially stop evolving and you stop changing and you clamp down and it literally creates blockages physically, emotionally, and chemically in the body. Because when you clamp down like that, it's a stress response. And when you go into fight or flight, the body's processes of like healing and growing and recovering and resting all stop. And so if you stay in there too long, it's essentially just like a tipping, a ticking time bomb. You will eventually, the universe will win. It'll just eventually crack you on it, crack you like an egg on the floor, um, which has happened and I think is a part of parenthood is to uh, part of my journey was being okay with pretending like it's not all okay you know not having to hold just because you're not okay right now doesn't mean you're not an okay dad or a great father and having the humility and the courage to literally speak those words um and express that and let that go in the process so that you can move on um, and just be, do you know what I mean? As opposed to trying to be something that you think you need to be for your family or for your image or for your community or whatever it is. It's a lot of relearning where you're still holding and then you'll, have some come into your awareness and go through a process of letting it go just to realize that you've grabbed onto something else in a way. Um, yeah. Parenthood's a lot of letting go over, over and over and over again. <laughs> and yeah. like, it's so easy to, for me, you know, not, I really don't want to be misinterpreted here because there is like a fullness and a level of gratitude that I have never felt before having a family and watching your little boy interact with you or grow teeth or all the things, even trip over and give himself a black eye, which he has at the moment <laughs> as a nine-month-old, <laughs> um, is wild. It's It's incredible and it's wild. And even though there's a lot of, I think I find myself gravitating towards wanting to speak words around what difficulties are because I want to normalize speaking about what can be hard about parenthood because so much of my struggles have come from trying to deny or avoid or step around or bypass with breath work or like literally you just like fucking relax. It's, it's okay. You know, let it unravel. It's, it's actually easier. Um, yeah, I appreciate your honesty with all this too. And I was just thinking how boring a podcast chat would be of like how, how much I love my child and how adorable his teeth are. And oh my God, his toes. And this is all the bliss and love and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, that's great. But mm -hmm. I find it, I think, much more helpful to hear the the kind of shadowy dark underbelly side of things because I think it's more 
real and perhaps more grounded in reality. And another question I had was, how did you navigate the internal dialogue of self-judgment, self-criticism, like I'm failing, I'm failing as a dad versus the, hey, this is my first time I've ever done this and I'm doing good and I'm learning and, you know, chin up, man, you're doing all right. Like, did did you learn more grace, more compassion for yourself as as a process of this or? It's really funny you ask me this, Jay, because this is literally, this is my wheelhouse right now. (laughs) All right. What do you mean? Boom. Um, Man, like, you know, I've, Amber bought me an aura ring for Christmas. And sometimes I wonder if I want something telling me how much I've slept last night. <laughs> Another um, night, no sleep, high stress. Like, carry yeah. on. Well, I just, you know, I look at how Amber and I used to communicate with each other before Annie. And man, we would navigate some really difficult stuff with ease you know um we've got a long friendship before our relationship and our ability to communicate was pretty strong and when you mix in factors like kids and a lack of sleep and still got you know I own a business so does Amber so you know that stuff doesn't doesn't just stop either you know your I say your my ability to regulate has been a fraction of what it was and it's really, I've found myself far more reactive than I've ever been. Like there, when it's bad, I can barely even hear, hold space to hear what Amber's struggling with at any given point in time without feeling responsible, feeling like her struggles are a reflection of my inability to provide structure and support. And the journey of like having that ego and inner critic arc up in that moment and me just wanting to deflect, defer and feel good has definitely been a point of tension that we keep revisiting because a lot of the time it's, it's owning that you need to take enough space to regulate enough so that you're not on the brink of overflow and overwhelm at any given point in time so that when something does arise, there's some space and capacity there. Um, and it's honouring that I need to... Fatherhood has a different pace. It's slower. And I'm, I don't usually like going slow. Um you know, I sat down to do, <clears throat> I call it my manifestation at the beginning of every year, just write down everything that I want to bring into the world. And I looked at last year's and it's it's almost like the headspace that I was in when I wrote it thought that fatherhood was like a part-time four-hour job. I had this like list of all these things that I wanted to do. <laughs> and I wanted to... um you know, I typically love having some big goals and I could literally, I literally read this thing and I was like, I should probably copy and paste this whole thing into this year because I don't feel like I did any of that except honestly, like really in reflection, the personal growth just didn't look like how I thought it was going to look like. 
you know, you, you get what you need, not what you want in those really huge, huge times, those transitionary times in your life. And I can really truthfully say the, the development has been huge, even though it hasn't come with the like traditional kind of like accolade and feeling really like rewarded from your efforts in, in some ways. But it's a lot of um apparently that's a lot of parenthood, man. It's it's you know, it's it's giving without the needing to receive. It's just surrender loving service for your kids and for your family. And it's not all it is, but it's it's a big part of that. Mm-hmm. So the the challenges have been they've been real. Honestly, this is like last year was definitely the hardest year of my life. Definitely. And the most rewarding year of my life. Definitely. Um, but yeah, it feels it feels raw shedding your skin like that. And continue just you do I found myself getting tired of feeling like, whoa, I just gotta keep stepping forward. Like when when does it end? You know what I mean? And <laughs> familiar with that vibe too of throwing a little temper tantrum and complaining and be like, I'm tired of growing. I'm tired of new levels. I'm tired of new things I'm learning about myself. I just, when is it going to be easy? And the universe just looking down at me, like flicking me away with it. <laughs> Not right now, motherfucker. Like yeah. straight into the fire again. Yeah. I, I, I am so happy to like, share vulnerably about these things and again i don't i don't want to give a tone of not being grateful or not absolutely being here for it do you know what i mean like it's it's i think the thing that i've learned more than ever is like it's okay to completely unravel in fact i reckon it's the fastest way to reset is to just let it all unravel um, be humble, you know, take responsibility for your role in what wasn't working, show some awareness around it, um, and just speak, speak what's going on for you rather than, you know, historically I would just put my head down and try to fix it as opposed to communicating what we need as a unit and how that needs to look. I think it's still, I'm still kind of getting used to um, being a part of like a family. I'm an only child, lived alone, moved out of home young. You know, it's it's still transitioning, still transitioning in there. It's slower and you need, you need to move as a unit. Mm. Yeah. There's just so many lessons, hey? It's like, it could be, I could talk to you for six hours. Like, oh, we haven't even touched on this. I haven't yeah. even touched on this. Um, what is your, like, do you have rituals to help you unravel? Like when you use that phrase a moment ago, are you talking about in the moment to allow yourself to feel and be seen? Or are you saying, go away, you know, figure yourself out? Um, or both? I typically, when it's, both yeah when it's when it's really messy and one thing i've really noticed is that when when the unit you know when 
when the when your family doesn't have a whole lot of capacity right now like when everyone's tired i find for me it's better not to use them as a use your partner as a sounding board to process for your clarity that is an energetic black hole when you guys are already on the edge if that makes sense like having a group of bros um not anyone really that can that can hold space for you to verbally just vomit all the emotions out because the truth is is that it's all it's always so confusing before it's spoken and i always like to say you know if you don't even know where to start just start because the end of the sentence will be more clear than the beginning and the second will be more clear than the first and you're already on your way and then bringing some of that clarity and awareness back in to that conscious communication with your partner essentially getting clear first rather than expecting them to hold space to get clear um, is a smarter way to consider your partner's energy especially if she's up all night breastfeeding um, really having a support network outside of the family is pretty essential um, as far as unraveling exercise vigorous intense <laughs> exercise that's your and can be can be for sure i think um part of becoming pretty dysregulated in this last year has been my mind telling me because you know part of this as well is like i'm always really big on healing and growth and recovery always parasympathetic like you need to be in a resting recuperative rejuvenative tone if you want to heal and you want to replenish and so when you're already sleep deprived it was it was really easy for my mind to be like dude you barely got six hours sleep last night it's probably not the best time to go for a long run or go push a bunch of heavy weights and the truth was was a lot of those times that was just a shitty excuse and i fucking needed to move big time and I just needed to do something. Um, and I think it's easy. I say this, sometimes people receive this strangely. Um, fatherhood is a really good excuse not to do shit. And while we should all have compassion for ourselves because time and energy is definitely not as plentiful, it's not a good reason and it's not a good excuse not to take care of yourself and not to do those things or if it's if you can't if you don't want to operate here it's not about not operating at all that day it's about bringing it down to here being more presently aware with your body's needs stopping when you need to but definitely starting um breath work is great for unraveling communicate anything expressive for me so if it's like moving my body or an ecstatic dance or doing breath work or ice baths, ice baths are a great way to surrender, man, because you can't really win. <laughs> Eventually you have to let go. <laughs> yeah. I wrote a while back. Nobody has ever won a fight with reality. And it seems like those things that you're mentioning there help you to remember that very crucial fact very quickly yeah i feel the like the other thing old it's like oh. a, lot of, a lot 
it's hard to be very sorry. It's hard to be very angry when I'm very cold and hate my life. <laughs> yeah. But cold showers too, fundamentally. It's like, oh, you're really angry right now? Like, go jump in the cold shower and just stay there until that anger is cooled off. Like, it will happen eventually. Absolutely. I think it's also a process of it's, you can't be in your head and lift real heavy weights. You can't be in your head and be in an ice bath. You can't be in your head and dance like it's, like any, I think a lot of a lot of that inner turmoil happens here. And so it's just having a regular process of guiding yourself back into your body. You know, as we said before, like that your your mind will take your perceptions of what's happening and add its own flavor based on everything you've experienced up until this point. And so the more you can kind of become more intimately, presently aware, you're going to get a much better read on what's actually happening around you and what's happening for you. And then what you do from there is coming from a much clearer perception than it is you feeling peppered by the constant cyclical crap that spins in your head. Because when you operate from there, you're going to operate from that contracted place, that feeling of I'm fucking up or I'm not enough. Um, you know, and I'm speaking from experience here, you know, you don't even like sometimes I don't even recognize my own voice. Like it's so and it's so hard when you're when you're on that soapbox and you've been on it for a while just to go, fuck, I'm here. And it's so hard to step off because you're just so overly invested into the shit but that's what you gotta do yeah yeah well said man um anything else that we haven't hit upon that you're chomping at the bit to to say mm. I mean, we've talked about quite a lot yeah mate your questions have been great nothing's nothing springs to mind where can people get more of Ryan Pope? I know you're on Instagram. Yeah. You have a chiropractic clinic on the Gold Coast of Australia. Anywhere else? No, I'm really like, I've been, you know, I only really started posting on social media about a year and a bit ago. Um, I've been very much brick and mortar, like let's, you know, let's start in Mudraba. Like that's where the clinic is. You know, let's rather than trying to go like I really wanted, I love the feeling of the family practice that we have here. I love watching people um, bump into old friends in our waiting room and reconnecting. And I love feeling the shift in people's bodies when you do a workshop with them. Like, but you know, the truth is, is that <clears throat> since doing Becoming the Mountain, a lot of people have said, mate, this this has to get out there. There's a lot of people that are needing the support and it's just not really out there, you know, especially in the niche of home birth or wild birth at home. And especially from the perspective of how, how a guy can not only support his partner through her beautiful transformative process, but how he could even 
support his own transformation through that rite of passage isn't something that I think is spoken about a lot. And so, yeah, Instagram, Linktree, if you are interested in anything to do, to do with Becoming a Mountain, there's like a sign-up sheet on my Linktree if you're interested there. Or just say, hey, just message me if you got any questions, like, mm. all good. Mm. And then are you and Amber still doing in-person events at all? Or are you yeah. helping others or what's the... Al Alchemy, Alchemy will be doing a, several alchemies this year, which is an in-person four or five-day retreat somewhere in the hinterlands between Byron Bay and Gold Coast, typically. Um, yeah, I mean, that is... So much of the skill sets for becoming a mountain and a lot of that, those regulation practices that I've talked about, um, I feel like I really, really, I really took a deep nosedive into it through alchemy. I think alchemy really birthed a lot of this for me and a lot of what becoming a mountain is and just watching people, watching people come home and transform just simply through self-acceptance has been one of the most mind-blowing things for me to watch in the last couple of years. And, you know, I think that was definitely the instigator for me to be like, holy crap, you know, 11 years as a chiropractor and I had like, it just, when it hit me, it hit me like a ton of bricks, how much people's emotional bodies and lack of self-love keep them from having the physical body that they want and the spine that they want and the life that they want and the function that they want. Cause you know, if you, if you're lacking in any kind of presence and awareness or even, even just that root of self love, you're not going to do what you need to do to go through that process of healing yourself. And I say it that way because the truth is, is, you know, the only healer is you, you know, I'm not healing people's bodies. If we go back to that vitalistic principle is your body knows how to heal itself. If the nervous system is being interfered with and they can't do its job. So all I'm doing is helping take pressure off the nervous system to help that innate heal the body themselves. And so truthfully, if someone can't care or love for themselves enough, that that's the first blockage, that first disconnect, that first misalignment is an emotional one. And I think if there's any physical ones after that, that first emotional one will still create a blockage and that stress response, which stops people physically being able to heal. You can't heal in a stress response. Your body won't heal if it's under threat. Amen. Amen. It's a great way to, to finish it up, man. And uh, thanks so much for coming on and for sharing so openly. Appreciate thanks, you. Jeff. Love you. You're welcome, man. Thanks for having me on. This is rad. Yeah, man. You're, uh, you're officially a podcast guest now. And I'll see you in Spain in six months. I can't February, wait, mate. May, June. Yeah. It's going to be really hot, isn't it? Not super hot, but can't really predict the future or the weather or Spirit Airlines shipping delivery service. <laughs> Those are the three unpredictable <laughs> things that I've discovered. Uh, and maybe home births, you know? So I think everything you talked about there will be 
put into practice in terms of surrender and presence, trust, allowing, and a good old-fashioned physical exertion to boot. Um, but yeah, man, I'm stoked to hang with you guys in Europe. It's going to be fun, man. Yeah, can't wait. So yeah, that's Ryan Pope. If you are interested in getting more information, more involved in his space or his work, I've included links in the show notes to his website, his Instagram, etc. Send him a message. He's a really genuine, nice dude who wants to help. So please do take advantage of that. And thank you for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for subscribing. The five-star reviews, all of it helps. I adore you and I appreciate you. And I will talk to you soon.